listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. So, hey, here's an interesting thing that happened to me during our two weeks off. We ended up in the ER at about uh, 10 o'clock at night, downtown big city. Oh, We were going to meet, um, but, and this, here's what I learned. Here's the punchline. Here's the, if I ever have to go to an ER, short of chest pain, where it's like, you know, you got to get there right now. I can't breathe, right. Drive to a suburb or a rural area. It would be faster yes. and much safer and better. Yes, I've heard that advice more than once. Yeah, it's funny. I had never heard that. If I had heard that, I would have done that. We we happened to be, we were visiting, uh, my wife's cousin was in town, and they had rented a house on Airbnb, so we were meeting her, blah, 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 all this stuff. And it was cool, and they had a two-year-old, and my kids liked it and everything. It was really great. Very nice. Uh, and uh, But we were we happened to be just blocks from major downtown, like the major downtown ER. And I Which knew where it was. sounds great if yeah. you need an ER. Well, it was handy. Yeah. I knew exactly where it was. I didn't have to Google map and panic and figure out where to go. I knew exactly where it was from when I used to do cancer treatment. I was right there. So um, uh, so we're all headed to the park. Uh, kids are going to play a little bit before we order pizza. We actually already ordered pizza. It was going to be a while because it's a holiday and uh, kids could park. And somehow or another, won't blame anybody. Certainly wasn't me. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Laura gets her hand smashed solidly in the car door. <gasps> Thumb just like completely yeah, in there. She's trying to pull her hand oh. out. Oh, like she can't think okay, straight. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Jeez. First with the Mexican cartel thing earlier this morning. Now this. Go on. All right, go on. I'm sorry to hear that happened. So finally, it's tough to hear. Finally, get the, get the door open. And she's going, "Oh my god, oh my." She looks at it and then says, "Oh my god, I didn't see it." But she says, "Oh my god, oh my god." I said, "Uh, do we need to go to the ER?" She said, "Absolutely, we got to go to the ER immediately." And then the kids, Henry's actually running around the car like it's a Chinese fire drill. Or something. Oh, boy. <laughs> we got a police 911. Which is, you know, oh, it's, it wasn't funny at the time, obviously. He's in a panic. His mom's hurt. Right. It's kind of funny when I think about it. In now. retrospect. It looks kind of cute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just mis- He's got energy. doesn't know how to dispense yeah, it. So yeah. he's just moving around. Yeah, I'm trying around. to help. Right. What do I do here? Right. Anyway, so I get the kids in the car, drive like the two blocks to the downtown ER. Um, uh, oh, so you got the whole fam there. What else yeah, are you going to do? Having right. the kids is the worst part of being in the downtown ER at night on a Friday night full of drunk, stoned, homeless people. Oh, boy. Full of them. And they're being treated just like they were. Anybody else with health insurance who showed up who are having their... How many times do you end up in the ER in your whole life? Who are having their three or four times in their lifetime go to the ER. Right. Which is the way it is for most of us. And those are the frequent flyers. Uh, emergency room, doctors, nurses, orderlies, please. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com if you want to tell us about the frequent flyers. And so, you know, you're, you're showing up to the ER. you got to wait in line behind. I don't feel so good. All right, Jim, what's, what's the problem? I, uh, I need to lay down. Okay, and then they go through the... F- Full filling out the paperwork, checking the vital everything. What there? There are people holding babies. Yeah, looking really panicked. Parents, if you've ever had a sick baby and you don't know what's going on, waiting in line behind homeless effing drunks to get checked in at the ER and going through the full fill out the paperwork, treat it seriously. Just and they know them by name. They actually called some of them by name. Sure. And they get them a bed, which you know. 
That, well, whether or not you should get him better law, I don't know. But at least say, Jim, sit over there. You're here every night. I know what your problem is. You're drunk. I'm going to help the woman who's got the smashed thumb and her kids are crying. I'm going to help that lady who's holding an infant. I can't right. tell what's wrong with it. Right. Um, you they can don't wait. dare do that. How screwed up is the world we're in How? at that point? I, I, I was blown away. Not, uh, not to mention the fact that trying to get my wife checked in, she couldn't do paperwork or anything like that. She's moaning and holding her thumb and right. there's blood and everything like that. I'm trying to figure out the insurance stuff like that. I'm scared to death for my kids because you got the uh, uh, stumbling over to my kids and trying to talk to them. Uh, Freaking insane. Oh my God. It's, it's absolutely, it's, I had trouble wrapping my head around it. Yeah. That is not the way a first world functioning society should work. I pay how many thousands of dollars for health insurance? I show up at the ER and my, I'm frightened for my children and my wife's waiting in line behind drunks. Yeah. Yeah. Who are there to get a bed? Oh, and I guess their main thing is one of the nurses told my mom, my wife. I almost called her my mom. Calling why, Dr. Freud, Dr. Why, Freud, why in the emergency room. <laughs> I need a team of therapists to, to explain to me why I sometimes uh, call I, my wife. I, I can explain it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I took one psychology class in college. Uh-oh, we definitely need transition music for this. So this article, he is our OJ, which is good, not great. If I was the editor, I had to said, I'm not sure you quite established your premise. It's uh, C plus at best. But anyway, it's thought provoking. It opens with, for Keith Schwartz, who is 66 years old and runs a recruiting firm based in Tacoma, Washington, almost... Uh, I think I already get this, and it makes perfectly good sense to me. Okay, cool. Sure, yeah. He includes a president he regards as manic, uneducated, illogical, and also essentially a horrible person. Vulgar, amoral, and narcissistic. Wait, this is a defense of Trump? Yes, hang on. He's done a fine job on the economy, in particular in the face of a Democratic opposition that has bent rules and abused processes for three years in an implacable bid to thwart him. Implacable. To those those of us who support what he's accomplished, it feels like he is our OJ. The theme being the utterly corrupt Washington, D.C., and the abusive, one-sided tribal media have been hammering and hammering and hammering at our people for so long. Finally, we got a guy who fights every bit as dirty as you all do and or stabbed a poor woman in a waiter. Um, we're going to acquit him just to make a point. Now, I'd That's say it's pretty good. I, I'd say it's much it's much more significant than O.J., well, it's different than O.J. because O.J. wasn't actually a hero of black America, but he was a representa- a chance to tell the LAPD, you got to stop abusing black folks. Well, yeah, there are a lot of people, and I know several people who are precisely like this, who are marginally Trump fans. Generally, they vote for the Republican. They, they don't like Trump a lot, and now they're like, F it, I'm a Trump guy, based on... The abuse and corruption and dirty fighting of the Democrats and the media. Yep. They're like, okay, now we got our own brawler. You're telling me boo-hoo, he's a brawler? Are you kidding? Yeah, based on this from David Brooks, who's got a thing in the New York Times about the, uh, the res- hashtag resistant movement, resistance movement to Trump. Which has been hashtag make you enthusiastic about Trump, in and, my opinion. And David Brooks, yeah, that's what he's say, saying. David Brooks does not like Trump at all, and he uses all kinds of horrible words for him here. And then he says, so you'd think that those of us in the anti-Trump camp would go out of our way to show we're not like him, that we're judicious, informed, mature, and reasonable. 
But the events of the past week have shown that the anti-Trump echo chamber is becoming a mirror image of Trump himself, overwrought, uncalibrated, and incapable of having an intelligent conversation about any complex policy problem. That would be on the whole Iran thing. That's not a compliment. Right. No, I'm saying, That's yeah. a great example. The Iran thing is a really good example, yeah. Yeah. You know, the other editorial that people are sending around the Internet like lunatics is uh, the I can't spare this man, he fights metaphor going back to the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Look, I got a hundred objections to the guy, but he gets in there and he scraps. And finally, you know, we're getting some progress as conservatives. I don't even know if he is a real one, but whatever. Oh, I don't. Yeah. You know. and, and, and how this plays out in November, man. Woo. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Break dancing is going to be an official sport for the first time in the 2024 Olympics in Paris. Break dancer and coach Antonio Castillo says he's glad the art form is getting some recognition. A lot of times people told me you can't make a job from breaking. It's impossible. Go to school, get a job, you know, pay your bills on time. The sport will be called breaking and dancers will be scored on a 10 point system that includes footwork, freezing and poses and floor spins. <laughs> I've had the floor spins. Speaking of drinking. I thought that was really entertaining. Wow. Now, um, that's a pretty good People tell me you go out there and pay some bills and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty good advice. (laughs) You can't make a living break dancing. Do they get off? (laughs) Well, now it's an Olympic sport. Do what you love. You'll never work a day in your life, Joe. Spit on the floor. Nobody's going to pay me to spit on the floor. You you can't make a living pole vaulting either, really. That's not what the Olympics are about. (laughs) A lot of times people have told me you can't make a job from breaking. It's impossible. Go to school, get a job, pay your bills on time. All those things would be good Pay your bills That's good advice. (laughs) That's solid, son. Now, uh, aside from whether or not it's a good career move, um, (laughs) as a sport, using my finger quotes, and it's more of a sport than... Pistol shooting? It's practically gymnastics. Heck yeah. yeah. Um, heck yeah. Of course it is. Um, uh, duh, what was I going to say? Oh, my kids will like that. My kids will love that event. Yeah. Watching that. You and know you what? Judged on spins? It seems freezes. Seems nutty. Because that's part of and the breakdancing thing. Spins. You got stuff. Well, you, <laughs> you get out of bed because you got the bed spins. You get on the floor. You Then you got the floor spins. <laughs> you do like a, like a handstand thing with your legs all kind of all right. over the place. And you, and you hold that. And then you go back into the no, floor spins. No, no, I don't. <laughs> I've seen hobos do it on street corners, and it's pretty cool. So imagine Olympic athletes if they turn their attention to it. I'll bet it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'll watch it. It seems like an absurd sport. Of course, ballroom dancing is an Olympic sport. Well, a lot of more absurd point, sports you're just used to. It's them. a TV show. What what sports are absurd? What are you talking about? Olympic sports are their traditional, Jack. The biathlon. You, okay, but a guy, you take a pole and you leap over a wall. It comes straight from ancient warfare. The pummel horse. If you had never seen that sport before, why is that better than break dancing? It's 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 a reminiscent of the riders of old charging into battle, spinning around on top of their horse, kicking their legs high in a scissor kick, right into the jaw of their enemy. The pummel <laughs> horse is essentially break dancing on a horse. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Would that it were. In a tight little singlet with your package showing. It's a pommel horse, not a pommel horse. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's what I do to a horse that gets me mad. That's what oh, happens in Dostoevsky. Oh, oh, 
That's a wow. completely different story. Lowbrow, highbrow, <laughs> both equally disgusting. <laughs> Let's move on, please. Move on. So spying on your kids. We got this idea of uh, you pick up a bunch of your kids and your friends or whatever you're driving around. Keep your mouth shut. And they will start talking like they do in real life around their friends. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, I'll hear Sam talking with his best friend. And in a way that it is, it is like, I don't even know that kid that's talking right there. So you're, you're giving me a completely different face, which is the way all humans are to a certain extent. Uh, read Shakespeare. Um, uh, on a note of not speaking with your kids and friends in the car, turn on a radio station that they like, fade it to the back of the car so it's a little louder back there. They'll talk a little louder over the music, and you'll be able to hear everything. Be prepared. Sometimes you hear things you're probably better off not knowing. Yeah. That reminds me of a buddy of mine who is... He overheard his high school daughter talking about not her, but some of her friends and various sexual activities people were engaged in. Who did what to who? Oh and he boy. said it was really hard. He was glad he heard it, but he said it was hard to listen to. Yeah, yeah, I'll bet. You know what I discovered with my daughters especially is that, you know, I would leave the radio off so we could talk. If you leave the radio on, they will talk more because they're less hesitant to start. Oh, sure. There's yeah. no breaking yeah. of the silence. Right. I've which is, that had in, not dawned on me until you I've know, I had adults. kids and I did it. But, um, yeah. yeah. yeah that, that's, I don't know. So is that a good I thing or bad thing? I prefer to ride in silence grinding my teeth. So <laughs> Muttering about other drivers. Right. Oh, I, ever oh, I don't mutter. You. No, I say it out loud. Doe, what was I going to say? Oh, is that, so is this okay? We all think this is a good idea? Basically coming up with a, a tricky way to spy on our children? Well, unless you're, you know, going NSA and busting people or whatever, I think, yeah, I think it's good to know who they really are. Mostly, I don't. Maybe you are. I don't think that's spying on them, though. You're. Oh no! <laughs> you you observe. Like Hands are dumb. They don't know. Yeah, you're like James Comey over there. We didn't spy. We surveilled. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're in the car. They know you're there. You didn't put a camera in the elf in the shelf on the room and and are trying to catch him in something like that. You know, right. you're just. You're you're removing yourself from their conversation so they can just be themselves. Yeah. Plus, yeah. The, the whole like surveillance thing. I think there are probably natural laws that you're violating there. You don't want to know the outer ten percent of what your kid is thinking or saying because it's just talk, and and don't let it trouble you. And and the fact that the cubs go away from mom to play is natural. Um. But the in the car thing, I think that sounds great. I became aware over uh, Christmas break, being around some thing, uh, some people. The the this deal where you have the family iPhone plan or whatever, and everybody's got their privacy thing off, and so everybody's tracking everybody all the time. Is that that common? I was around several people. Say, oh yeah, we do that too. And where everybody's you tracking, are and everything. Everybody's tracking. Everybody's looking at their phone, watching everybody everywhere they go. I, I, mom I've is watching everywhere like the that. kids go. The kids are seeing where mom is. You can see how fast they're driving yeah. down the road. That's, I, that's a paranoid way to live a life, man. Uh, Michael, how about some transition music? It's uh, it's a festive weekend. It's time for a brand new radio feature. What's it called again? It, I'm glad you asked. Uh, Gladys, is the band ready? It's time for Guess That Beast. All right. Now, how does it work? Well, I, I'm glad you asked that as well. Uh, here comes the sound of the day. It is clearly the sound of a beast, and it is up to you and Jack to discuss amongst yourselves and see if you can name that beast. Is it name the beast or guess the beast? 
Oh, it's guess that beast. My branding is off. I think that one sounds like me taking a nap. I think you. you... <laughs> Are you ready to guess that beast? Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> the Screaming Harry Armadillo. Alex Baldwin. KTO Fractus Velorosus. Common in Patagonia, Jack. Is it the not? The Screaming Harry Armadillo. Well, I'm going to go with what the obvious one is. If you played it for any uh, child, I think it's the humble uh, domestic hog. Uh, can I hear it one more time, or would that take too much trouble? No. That's me with the cheese dip about an hour ago. That is a gruesome sounding beast. (laughs) Oh man, is that it's a it's a peccary, a peccary, a peccary. It is not that, but I believe you may have just made that up. No, a peccary is like it's a little pig. Oh no, it is not. It's a little uh, pig that lives uh, I don't know elsewhere, not here. Okay, what is it? You see him in zoos. Uh, that this is, is like the impeachment. It's already been too that long. That is the sound <laughs> of a koala. That's oh, a koala. Really? That is a koala you oh, that's just charming. Heard. Oh, Look at it. Oh. It's tasking him for a eucalyptus leaf. They put the microphone right up next to its snout, and that's what a cute little koala oh, sounds like. Terrible. Oh. And they're vicious. They bite. They scratch. They claw. And they sound like hell. <laughs> Gladys, the big finish. <laughs> and that was Guess That. You know, it wasn't terrible. <laughs> hey, you really did a good job with the fanfare and stuff, though. I, I appreciate the showbiz. Check out the great new swag like the new masks at armstrongandgetty.com. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. So you got, you know, uh, competing horrifying stories going on in America, right? You got the coronavirus, you got the economy, and then you got this move toward lawlessness mm-hmm. that is sweeping the nation. Uh, it was already going that direction with a couple of idiotic decisions that various cities, counties, and states have come up with, with no bail and letting people out of prison and all these different sorts of things that we're doing, sure, sure. Uh, changing what counts as a felony and not, or misdemeanor and all this stuff, all these different things that are happening across the country. It's Allowing a- lawless chaz zones. Yeah, and this was all before the, the horrifying George Floyd thing, and then you got riots in the streets and nobody seems to care about it, and Portland was insane over the weekend. We have to do that story, too. Oh, my gosh. They've lost control. It is not slowing down at all. Yeah, Portland, downtown Portland is to a large extent a lawless zone. Now. And and speaking to that, so I'm at the convenience store gas station on Friday. I got to work with like my gas gauge saying you can drive 10 more miles. And uh, so I was going to get gas on the way out, the one right here near the radio station. And um, I'm getting gas. I pull into the uh, I pull into the stall and there's a guy in uh uh, there's a car in front of me. I pull in behind that, and there's a guy leaning on the back of it drinking a Coca-Cola. Th- these are not things that stand out to me as interesting. Okay. Now, nor would they you. But there's a guy leaning on the back of it. scene setting, though. Yeah, and I'm just, uh, he's just leaning there, and I'm, thinking, and I'm I'm doing some stuff on my phone, so I hadn't gotten out to pump my gas yet. Mm-hmm. Doing some stuff on my phone. And then I see uh, a, a guy walking past my vehicle. He's going to that car. And I notice him because he's particularly jacked and wearing, like, one of those... What do you call an uh, T-shirt? An extra medium? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <It's> medium, <laughs> extra medium. So yeah. he's swole. He's muscular. He's, he's swole and tiny T-shirt. I just, yeah, you know, I noticed that. I guess yeah. because I'm latently homosexual or whatever with this, but I, I did. I noticed that. And then, and then, 
But then he and the guy that was leaning against the car, I can tell they're getting into a little bit of an argument about something. Oh, boy. And I thought, well, that, that you know, just kind of got my eye. I'm just kind of watching that. And um, it's mild. And then I see the owner coming up behind me, and then he's standing right next to me. I don't think anybody's noticing I'm in my car, but he's standing right next to my driver's side window. He's If I'd have rolled down my window, I could have plucked a hair out of his beard. He's a, <laughs> If you so chose. <laughs> I mean, he's that close to me. And he starts yelling, you gave me a $5 bill, not a $20 bill. And the and the guy says, no, I didn't. I effing gave you a $20 bill. And his buddy says, you gave me a five, and I gave it to him. And it's uh, there's some discrepancy or anything. Oh. And, the, and the guy said, you're not going to steal from me. And the, and, the, and, the, and, and, and it's getting, and the dude is getting really heated. Now, one thing about this gas station I've noticed, because I regularly get gas there, it's, I, I, I leave work, you know, I'm leaving work around 11 o'clock noon. Everybody there has got the, I'm incredibly hungover, and I'm just getting up for the day mm. vibe. Mm. They're there to get, like, some greasy, crappy food some and smokes. and some energy drinks because they've just rolled out from the apartment complex having had a hard night. Yes. And that's always the vibe there. Okay. And yep. anyway, that's why that guy was leaning on the car and he is kind of squinty-eyed and drinking his Coca-Cola, though I'm guessing that's that, that's the state of mind he's in. He starts yelling at the owner. Well, this guy's like 70 years old. Uh, a, a fellow of, I'm guessing he's from India. He's Sikh. He wears the, the, the okay. turban of a Sikh. Mm-hmm. He's a really tall guy. Um, but old. Yeah. And the young dude starts screaming at him. And then I, and, and with enough that I realized things could turn ugly here. Yeah. And I'm going through all the freaking calculations I got to do right now. Am I about to have to wade into the middle of a couple of 20 something jacked dudes who are beating up an old man? Oh, boy. I can't watch that happen. Oh, I mean, boy. I got all that adrenaline going. I mean, cause it's, it, you can tell. You can just tell. It's the vibe is there. It's on, and that guy is screaming at this old man, and that old man is not backing down. And the young guy takes his Coca Cola and throws it at the old man, and then kicks over the uh, the window wash thing or whatever yeah, at yeah. him and everything like that. How will I cleanse the dead moths off my windshield? While I'm sitting in my car, I'm right next to this guy. Yeah, and I don't get out of my car, which I will wonder for the rest of my life whether or not that was a good decision. I think ultimately it was. But um, I'm trying to decide, do I get out? Am I being a coward here? Do I help this old guy? Or or, or am I going to make it worse? Because as I said to my wife when I got home and I told him this story, because I was still rattled, because I didn't know if after throwing the coke and kicking the thing over, the next thing is he, he punches this guy in the face. Right. And, you know, he's an old man. Luckily, the other jacked dude who'd come out and argued with him a little bit went over and grabbed him and said, what the F are you doing? And gets him in the car Mm. and they take off. My guess would be he's like, dude, we got drugs in the car or dudes, you've already got a record or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, Uh, I wonder if his buddy was a little tweaked up or something, too. Maybe. It's entirely possible. And then this and then and then I get out of my car being the great coward that I am now that the the, the, the people have left Um, um, uh, and the old and the old man who runs the convenience store there he said this is what happens and he's looking around at everybody there by the way nobody else lifted a finger to help anything either but right. he's young around said this is what happens when you live in a democratic state <gasps> this used to never happen it happens all the time now there's no point in calling the police they won't do anything this happens every day there's lawlessness in this state he was so mad wow and i said hey man i agree with you wholeheartedly 
And I said, I preach, brother. I said, I got out my phone and got their license plate number. Do you want me to give it? He said, I'm not calling the police. I've done it before. They won't do anything. Right. They won't even right. attempt to do anything. Right. Why would they? When the city fathers, the, the prosecutors, nobody wants to hear it. If you're not going to go after people who smashed out the windows of stores and stole jewelry, you're certainly not going to go after a couple of guys who threw a coke at an old man. And kicked over the, the lo- lovely cleansing fluid. And the problem with that attitude is that crowd that's willing to engage in that behavior, they know it. It right. seeps into society. It gets into the zeitgeist of the times that they're, the line that you couldn't cross in the old days is, mu- is much further out now right. of what you can do in public and get away with it before you're ever going to get in any real trouble. Right. And the predators among us, and there are predators among us, uh, they will figure out, okay, the line is moved. Let's push it. Let's see how far we can go. And they will go further and further and further, which is why Rudy Giuliani cleaning up New York focused on small quality of life crimes. The message was, no, you can't kick over, you know, windshield washer fluid and throw cokes at old guys. You can't smash windows. You, you can't be doing this crap. And it, it went upward and there was an enormous drop in violent crime, which is now skyrocketing, skyrocketing, by the way. Which brings us to, if I can find it, yeah, there it is. Brings us to the, the, really the pinnacle of idiocy of AOC's career so far. I gotta get to the, my cowardice part. Oh, I I'm haven't sorry. finished my story. I thought yet. we were done. No. My apologies. Um, so, uh, afterwards, I'm, 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 I've got that full on, you're almost in a fight, uh, adrenaline thing going. Yes. And, uh, and took me a long time to calm down for that. And then a bunch of concern of whether I did the right thing or not. I mean, since it turned out okay, um, ultimately. Well, uh, yeah. And I, I'm almost positive if the guy had swung on the old man, I'd open my door and I'd had to get involved. Although who knows what would have happened at that point. My, my thinking was, you know, it's like the cops, the, some cops are good at, uh, escalating or de-escalating or whatever. I thought the second I open this door, it's about him and me. Cause I know how it is. I've been in sure. enough bars where fights happen. The girl, the whatever that started this, no longer it's that. It's you about me. Oh, you think you can stop this? It's between you. Just it, challenged me. It, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just challenged him, and nothing matters at that point except for him and maybe his friend who feels like he's been challenged also, taking me on. So I stayed in my car, um, and they didn't swing on the guy. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what I would have done if they had. My wife said, you know, I, w- I didn't think of this at the time. She said, here's what I've done in the past. Um, and I wish I'd have done this. I wish I'd have, I wish I'd have rolled down my window and said, call the police. They're on the way. I think that would have had them. I think they'd have hightailed it out of there right away. Could be. I think that would have ended it immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I'll remember that in the future. That's a good one. Yeah. Or you can actually call the police. Oh, it was no, happening so fast. I mean, th- it was. It happened so fast, and it was this close to the guy swinging on the old man. Yeah. I didn't have time to get out my phone and like try to figure out the uh, call. And the, yeah, I'm here at the. And no, it was this was all in the span of eight seconds, maybe. I'm well, okay, all right, wow, that's yeah, blink of an eye. Yeah, well, I'm glad the uh, less tweaked up guy, you know, cooler heads prevailed. God, you can just see how these co- sort of things unfold, though. The sort of thing you read about in a newspaper or see on TV, where you know, I'm sure that guy was just one lack of impulse away from actually hitting the old guy and then you know you don't know what happens at that point sure yeah horrifying i don't know how many punches i can take from big old swole guys at this point and i'm not 70 right yeah
Terrible. Oh, the other thing he said, the old guy, and he's uh, he 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 owns the place. He's he's like six five, but he's an old man. He said, "When I was younger, I would have kicked their ass." <laughs> <laughs> I believe him. Yeah, I True believe that, him too. Sir. I True believe that. him too. I know how it goes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> This is what happens when you live in a democratic state. How interesting is that that in the heat of he had to know he was almost in a fight with these two guys. Right. In the heat of that, that's the first thing in his mind. Well, is that I, things have gone to hell around here. I know the area he's talking about. And lawlessness has exploded in the area because it's been permitted. Because of utopian policies. Because of wishful thinking about crime. The best masks I've seen, and they say Armstrong and Getty on them, you can get one at armstrongandgetty.com. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. The surprising results of a head-to-head study of Mediterranean paleo and intermittent fasting. So they had a bunch of people do each, and they compared them. I do intermittent paleo-Mediterranean. I eat only clams from the Greek Isles between 11 and 11.30 a.m. (laughs) <laughs> the the main thing that everybody seems to agree on currently is this. Whichever diet you will actually stick with is the best diet for you. That's not an answer. I need the magic pill. Because these are all good diets if you do them, but if you can't stick with it, what differences make? Uh, of the three that we mentioned here, it says skip paleo. They followed a bunch of people for a year, and this had the um, the lowest adherence. With, oh. with just a third sticking to it. For a year? Yeah. A year's a long time. A year is a long time. Yeah. Only a third stuck to it with the lowest weight loss, partially because people didn't stick to it. So, see, the diet might be great, but if you don't stick to it, what difference does it make? Yeah. The paleo eaters also showed no improvements in blood pressure and blood sugar levels. Of course, they didn't stick to the diet. Intermittent fasting worked best. It's maintainable. 54% of people were still fasting after a whole year, losing an average of 11 pounds. Mediterranean had the highest adherence rate, with 57% still doing it after a year. Correct me if I'm wrong, that was barely better than the intermittent fasting, though, right? And a loss of an average of 10 pounds, which is only a pound difference. That's strong. So that's practically a tie between those two. Yeah. And here might be one of the headlines out of the whole thing. In a study of 35,000 people over 13 years, they found that if you walk into a restaurant... Your chances of adhering to your diet are zero, <laughs> specifically 0.1%. Yeah. The chance you're going to stick with your diet if you walk into a restaurant is zero. It is all about eating what you prepare. And again, again that's yeah. 35,000 people over 13 years. That's a lot of data to come up with. If you go to a restaurant, you ain't going to stick with your diet. You're going to eat too much. <laughs> and the well, wrong that food. is something. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny, everybody with the, the obesity epidemic, where it comes, we've gone in, in 30, 40 years of this country from a country that almost entirely prepares its own food at home to a country that almost entirely eats out or out of the, the, the frozen case at the grocery store, the convenience food case. It's not a mystery. No, it's not. We did a frozen pizza last night. It wasn't eaten out, but I guarantee it was more fat and everything else than I would have taken in if I did. Eaten, had a ham sandwich or something. You know, what's funny is Judy and I had a frozen pizza as well. Um, and it, it wasn't fatty and unhealthy. And we decided we're not buying that brand anymore because <laughs> it's not enough. yummy enough. <laughs> no, it's, it's, no, it, no, it's not enough of anything. I suppose if I want to look Where like, are the toppings? if I want to look like Shakira, <laughs> I suppose I got to eat one piece of lettuce every other day, right? Do you want to look like Shakira? Because you got a hell of a long way to go. <laughs> 
have a grape on Fridays? Good luck with that. Oh, good. It's Friday. Happy Friday. <laughs> I get to have my grape. Michael, how about some transition music? I had a, uh, an opportunity to do, do a little spelunking as a very young man, a uh, cave exploration. And uh, the uh, it became clear to me that part of it was squeezing through like little tunnels, like long little tunnels Underwater? between the bedrock. No, just like tunnels between the rocks, oh, okay. narrow openings. And my immediate, instinctive, overwhelming uh, reaction was and is to this day, that ain't happening. No way. I'm out. Goodbye. Enjoy yourselves. I'm going back to the picnic. <laughs> and what are you hoping to find when you do that? The Like the next room. The, Adventure. I mean, there's like, uh, often in caves, you have like a, a, a nice room, a, a cave room, where you look around, oh, this is amazing. And then the truly amazing room, all you have to do is crawl on your belly. Um, Got to keep your head down because it's only about, you know, 15 inches on this opening for like 20 yards to get to the big room with the stalactites and the rest of it. And I was like, why don't you take some pictures and send them to me? Because I ain't doing that. It's just, I don't know. It's a, it's a You're either born with it or not, I guess. I don't remember how we got on the topic of the people who ask questions in meetings, but it definitely struck a nerve with folks. Well, some of the dumb questions, the Q&A at the, uh, the Senate hearing. The impeachment. Uh, yeah, but we were just talking about regular business meetings. I've become homicidal sometimes when coworkers will continually ask questions during meetings. And when they ask, are there any questions, I've prayed, please, God, no. Please, God, no. Make this end. But somebody always asks a question. Yeah, we all do that. All the rest of us, except for a certain kind of person that have a different gene makeup than us, who are willing to ask questions. Yes. And it's not like it's different people every time. No. It's the same people every time that ask the questions. And the rest of us would never ask a question. Right. And it's generally people at the bottom of the totem pole whose time wastage is is inversely correlated to how important they are to the organization. I hate the people who only ask questions to make everyone know how smart they are. They only ask questions which they already know the answer. They just have something to say. That's a certain kind of breed. Remember, you just want to talk. You just want to be part of the meeting. You remember at that first station we worked at, Elise, the squirrel, we called her? She was very squirrel-like in many ways. Physically, her mannerisms. She could scurry up a tree. <laughs> but she she was the queen of prolonging meetings with idiotic questions. <laughs> it's the receptionist. Nice gal. Oh, yeah. The first few meetings I ever had, I was that idiot asking stupid questions, but I quickly realized where I fit in and knocked that S off. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. See, does it scale? Nice self-awareness, realizing, <laughs> yeah. oh, wait, nobody else is asking questions, and everybody's looking at me looking miserable, so maybe I won't ask questions anymore. It's always the least relevant person asking the most irrelevant question. Yes, that is true. Oh, yeah. Um, well, pe- tr- Trust us, those who hold the meetings understand that uh, the people asking the questions are uh, are a certain breed. But they do it anyway. Why do you do it? Why don't you just not have questions? I tell you what, the greatest divide in mankind is not, you know, black and white or Sunni and Shia or anything like that. It's people who occupy a certain amount of time and then their work day is done. And then people who have a certain amount they have to get done and then they can stop working. And those who merely fill time have every incentive to prolong the meeting because it's easy. You don't have to do anything. You're just sitting there shooting the S with your coworkers. 
the people on Earth who have a certain amount to get done can't stand that. It also seems that those who hold meetings least understand their meetings could have just been emails. Except for the previous guy who said he does understand. That's a pretty gal. good one. They let women be bosses now, uh, Jack. The person who asks the question at the meeting reminds me of that one guy in my community college night class who raises her hand when the professor says, before we go home, does anyone have any questions? And it's never a good question. <laughs> Even if it was a good question, don't ask it. God, it's funny. You're just built that way or not. It's the end of the night. We're all tired. Are there any questions? All of us, except for like two people, are thinking, of, I might have a question, but I'm not going to ask it. I want to go I'm going to walk up and ask <laughs> after he dismisses it. I'm everybody. not going to hold up everybody else. Which brings me to the Joe Getty axiom or principle or law. I don't know what it is. Uh, should you subject everyone else to your question? That's Will a good they one. be enlightened by your question, or is it really just for you? Yeah, if like it that. is, wait till after. That's the best kind of question—the one that is completely specific to what you do. Right? Oh my god! Yeah, on my time card there was a thing. <laughs> oh. Yeah, exactly. Oh, let me at him. Let me at him. Is that the whole incompetent people don't know they're incompetent? I that think it's study? a factor. Yes, it's gotta be. What's that called again? The uh, well. I think uh, I've realized something about myself. <laughs> uh, well, there's the there's the Peter principle. No, no, no. It's the, uh, the Dunning Kruger effect. The Dunning Kruger yeah, effect. The less the conf- competence, the more the confidence. Armstrong and Getty.